So my advice is if you, if you cannot commit to 15 hours a day of work, not that you have to do that, but if you can't commit to it, and if you don't love your business, you better love it because if you don't love it, you're not going to defend it. So, um, in fact, the business will give back to you in times of crisis that you have personally. So if you've built a good business, I remember, you know, a lot of my family members were, were passing away at one particular period of time and I was so heartbroken, but I knew I had my business I can go back to and sit in my chair and negotiate deals and whatnot. If you treat your business well, the business will treat you well. And that's what people don't realize. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and today's guest is Joe Sutton. Joe is an alumnus of the University of Florida and is a serial problem solver with more than 35 years of banking and business experience. His journey is highlighted in his new book, The Zero Sum Game. With a touch of humor, Joe shares the challenges and lessons of losing it all during the 2008 housing crisis and how he worked his way back to success. In today's conversation, we learn more about his career trajectory, his inspiration behind writing this book, and what he thinks of the current market trends. Joe, thank you for joining me on The In Factor. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. So first, let me congratulate you on your recent book, The Zero Sum Game. I've read the book. It's a great book, and I'm really excited to for you to share more about it with our audience today. Could you tell us a little bit about what what the motivation was behind writing this book? I'm, I'm not a writer by any stretch of the imagination, but I was sitting in my psychiatrist's office, uh, banging my head against the wall because I was unable to work a solution out to the, the problems that were occurring at the time for, for, for my businesses. So he suggested journaling and the journaling came out to about 400 pages when it was all said and done. And uh, I was at a friend's house and in, 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 at their beach house and I was journaling like I normally did every morning with coffee and and she read it and she read parts of it and she's like, this is really, really good. Have you thought about making a book and writing a book? I said, well, not really. I, I just don't have time. I don't I'm not I'm not the studious type, but she says that's an excuse. So we ended up five, six years later. It's done. And uh, I'm, I'm happy it's done. And and now I want to share it with um, the youth. I think the youth need to see, um, you know, the good, bad and the ugly about business because it's not all roses and, and unicorns. So, well, first of all, thank you for writing such a book, because as an educator, I agree with you. I think it's really important to hear the full story. And uh, I'm really excited about your book because one of the topics that's really interesting to me is resilience and coming back from challenge. And um, so this book, um, you know, there was a reason that your therapist recommended that you write this book. So tell us a little bit about how you got to the point of writing this book and, and sort of what this book is about. Um, the book is extremes. Um, there is the slow and steady, and then there is the fast-paced ego 
which in business, you should never have ego in your business because that is just the number one thing that'll kill it. So it, it was an ex, it was a, a, a book that basically explained how I got into a mess, into a pickle, um, and how I had to work the next 10 years to work my way out of the pickle. Um, and when all was said and done, and when all the numbers were crunched 10 years later, I learned that if I would have just stayed on the slow and steady path, didn't try to skip over, you know, board step, uh, board pieces and do what I was supposed to do as I had done for so many years, I, I would have ended exactly numerically in the same exact place. So it really was um, an eye opener. Um, I think that I, I looking back at it, um, the um, the chapters that really hit home were towards the end where we start what ifing, what if this happened or what if that happened, and that's when it really hit home. After the book was written, you start thinking about the alternative theories of what could have happened if we went a different direction. Um, but I don't ever like to go back and doubt decisions. I like to just move forward and see where we go from there. Yeah, that that's very powerful. There are a lot of things that you said there that I'd really love to dig into a little bit more. You mentioned ego and you mentioned skipping steps on the board. Um, I guess right. thinking about the monopoly game. So it, it really any any game. Any game. And so what what comes to mind for me is that we live in a world today where everybody's kind of looking for the latest hack. Like, what's the quick way to get around <laughs> doing all the hard right. work? And it, and you know, I'm a big believer that in in the what uh, many have called the law of the farm. You know, it really it you got to plant the seed, you got to give it time, you got to have patience, you got to do the work, and you'll yield the results. Um, these hacks don't don't always work, but. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, what, what you learned from your experience. Um, you know, this whole idea of you, you gotta, you gotta keep doing the slow and steady and, and the hard work every day. Yeah. It's the digging in and, uh, it's, it's, it's where the ego then turns into humility because now I was, I was a lender that turned into a, a borrower and, you know, I owed a lot of money, lots of money. And when you owe lots of money, you're expected to pay it back. That's our generational thinking. You, we don't, we don't, we don't want to not abide by our commitments. So that was the grit. That was the 16 hours a day. That was the traveling around the state. That was the evictions and the foreclosures and the breaking ins. And it was mainly so that at some point in the future, I thought that I would come out definitely war torn, uh, maybe limping, maybe, you know, you know, like, like you see in the war movies, but I'd come out and that's what happened. And it was a hundred percent hard work, grit. No one helped me. No one gave me money no family money nothing it was a 16 hour a day every day for about four years so tell it give us a little bit of insight what got you into as you called it the pickle that you found yourself oh in? yes well um 
I had started in the mortgage business uh, mainly because uh, it didn't require any capital. You're basically a broker going, you know, matching one person with another. And, uh, and then the, the business naturally grew. And then I ended up using my own money and lending to people. And I amassed quite a, quite a portfolio of loans that were paying me. And I was getting paid every month, no problem. And it was a good sum of money. So the ego part of me got bored. And that's another thing about business. Business sometimes does get boring, but you've got to think of other ways to, to grow it and not be so, um, what's the cavalier is a great word for that. And I ended up taking this vast portfolio of paying loans and I ended up um, leveraging it. So instead of having my original principal out in the street, I had seven times that. So I was heavily leveraged and I was making a ton of money until the bottom dropped out and Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. And that was it. That was it. The regulators were out in force. So uh, my all my lines were pulled and I was left with a bunch of houses that I didn't want. And um that's where I am today. I still own some of these houses that I took back in foreclosure back in 2008. And, um, and we're seeing something very similar to this today, but it's not really with the housing market. We're seeing uh, in the bond markets, very, very similar situation that seems to be occurring now. Um, but it was, uh, it was interesting. It was definitely an interesting take on um on the, on the whole mortgage industry, the, the real estate industry, the title industry. I mean, so many people were affected. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I've been really interested in this idea of resilience, personal resilience, and then building a resilient company as well and what that takes. And so I've been looking at companies that have survived um, 9-11, that have survived the 2008 crisis that have survived the pandemic. And it's really fascinating um, that they, you know, th there are usually, when you look back, there are usually signs and signals that maybe you ignored. Um, although many of these things, you know, like 9-11, for example, how can you predict what's going to happen or the pandemic? But in, in the case of your business, were there were there signs or signals or things that if you were reliving this experience, you would see that you didn't see then? I actually did see it. Um, I, I ended up looking at the portfolio and running through this huge spreadsheet that I had. I mean, I, the spreadsheets are what drove me to the psychiatrist. And I would work these big spreadsheets out. And I looked at the, the leverage rate and I looked at the rate of returns. And I started seeing people falling behind. And I said, this is starting to become a problem. So I, I ended up getting a lot of my borrowers refinanced through some of these subprime lenders and I recouped some of my capital, but I was too late. I didn't have enough time. If I had only had, I, I was actually talking to my mom about it yesterday. If I only had six more months, I would have come out clean. So it was the ego part of me was basically shown the corner and slow and steady Joe recognized that um, we need to get back the reins, and it was just too late. Yeah, and that's yes. <laughs> to answer your question, yes. 
Yeah. So uh, what do you think is different now about the way you do business than, than, you know, before you went through this experience? Because what you've, what you're describing to me is both, was both personally and financially transformative or transformational, I guess. Yes. Well, you know, it brings, you know, when you're digging your hands in toilets and taking, you know, taking people out of their homes and groveling to banks and, and then absolutely, and then actually uh, advising them because they see what you're doing with your portfolio and they were, and they have big problems as well. It's the humility of saying, I'm willing to do anything I have to do to survive this crisis. So like, for instance, we're heading into a recession now, right? So I texted all my children. I texted my, you know, my friends. I said, the Sutton household is on recession watch. This is about eight months ago because I can see, you can see it, right? You can see everything getting really frothy and the guy who cut my hair wants to buy a, a house to do Airbnbs. Can you imagine? And that was about eight months ago. And I'm like, oh, this is it. It's all over. And um, and that's when we went on recession watch. And that's so you recognize these types of things when you see them unfolding again. Yeah, this is a little different, but you start seeing it and you're like, OK, well, we're we, we have some problems ahead of us. Every time is a little different, but but you know it's it's like the importance really of history. We can't ignore history because we're going to be destined to report repeat it if we don't if we do. So you know we have to we have to look back and analyze it and understand it, which is I think part of the message that you're talking about there. So you brought up uh, today. and you know, we've been through a lot. Um, we went through the pandemic and um, there were some real winners and actually some real losers um, through the pandemic from a, a, a fine finance and business perspective. So what what are your thoughts? Like what what's the advice that you're giving your children or what advice would you give to entrepreneurs today um, who are looking at this high inflation that we're now having and the recession that we're you know, we're not saying that word yet necessarily, but uh, we, yeah, well. we know it's here. <laughs> uh, so, you know, as we record this right now, so what, what, um, you know, what would you, what do you recommend? How did, how does a business, um, you know, and especially a lot of say young entrepreneurs who are building companies, what do they do during a time like this? If anyone see, here's, here's where the problem lies for the, for the last 10, 12, 14 years since we've really had really low interest rates, the, the business environments since the last recession were, have been pretty accommodative. I mean, the rates are low. Uh, business has been really good. COVID, yes, that definitely absolutely was a game changer, but we got money for it, right? Everyone got their money, you know, PPP loans and, you know, you got all this money. But during, and, and, and I hope that people, young people don't think that when you go into a recession, that the government's going to hand you money now because it's not the case. The young folks need to understand that when you go into a recession, it's time to assess your expenses. It's time to say, okay, what am I going to do if ABC starts to slow, and how am I going to how am I going to turn the ship in a different direction to 
to a more accommodative approach because a lot of people, you know, have the big car payments. A lot of people have big rent payments, you know, school payments, this payment. So how do how do you survive that? And it really is you have to you have to cut. I that's what I had to do. You know, I had to cut my expenses by about seventy percent in order for me to survive. And it was hard. It was deep, and it was painful. And that's what people have to be prepared to do. Do Do you feel uh, if you had to if you had the choice, would you go through that experience again? Never. I don't wish that experience. <laughs> I'm my worst enemy. I don't, I really, I can't, you know, just you, we saw the worst in people in 2008, 2009. And, and that's all levels. You know, the bankers, they, they panicked, they pulled credit lines when they really shouldn't have the borrowers, they didn't pay even when they could pay. Um, they took advantage of the system. The federal government, the local governments, all, everyone had their hand out when times were great. But then when times go bad, everyone turns so ugly. And I got to tell you, I hope to never revisit that, that situation again because the, 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 the stuff that I've seen, you, don't, you have to put me on 10 shows. For me to tell you everything that I saw and how disturbing it really was. Yeah, that's that's kind of scary. Um, and and uh, you know, I, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to paint it as being like, you know, whether this recession will be like that recession. I don't think so. But um, it just, it's just, it was just ugly, and I hope never to, to relive that again. So yeah, I think you're, what you're talking about is sort of what what happens sometimes with human nature when people get their backs up against the wall and um, you know, it can be, it can be, uh, it can be a time where people sort of rise to the, to the level of um, well, rise or lower themselves to a different level, I guess. Well, and, well, but you have to figure that they're also in their own little survival mode. So they're, you know, they, they have to survive, but you know, everyone's in the survival mode and what they forget is that you have to work. <laughs> so, if you work, just because you work an eight-hour day, maybe you'll need to work a 12-hour day. You know, yeah. it's, it's work. Yeah, and there's nothing that gets that can get you past that. So there's a lot of new uh, financial products out there now. There's a lot of new things going on in, in cyber and, uh, you know, and, and going on in... Um, you know, crypto and uh, what are your um, thoughts about some of the the crypto markets and some of the new the new financial markets and some of the things that are going on now? Um, if I don't understand it, I don't invest in it. And since I can't really pinpoint what cyber really is, uh, and I, I can't understand what crypto is, and I and I can't if I can't wrap my arms around the commodity itself, then there I, I just don't see a value in it. So I stay away from things that I don't understand. Um, I understand real estate. I understand property management. I understand understand REITs and dividend paying stocks. I don't understand when a stock has no intrinsic value and it goes up 700%. And to me, that's just a Ponzi scheme. To me, I mean, it's I just don't see any value in it. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm of the I'm of the I'm of the in the the thought processes of I can't wrap my arms around it, 
and hug it real tight, I ain't buying it. Yeah. So, so let's talk about something you've spent a lot of time with, and that's real estate. And we're here in Florida, and you know, all, a lot of our real estate values have gone way up. So, what, what's your, what's your prediction for real estate? We have a lot of a lot of our listeners are really interested in that space. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> um, well, you know, I actually have a house in St. Pete, and uh, I I looked uh, actually I looked on on Zillow, um, and Zillow tells me that my house value went up over the last 30 days. So I, I think that I think that the, the 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 housing pressure pricing is coming from from different areas. I think Florida is is, is a unique area like California is a unique area. Um, I don't think housing drops that much. I think until we have a supply of homes, which we are lacking significantly and that's i mean i can go through the math with you but it's i think we probably need about five million units to be built throughout the country for us to have a level of established playing field we are far from that and so, that's in, that's in specific markets you would say i would say in the whole we are if my little cheat sheet scribble pad is right, I think that we are underbuilt in the country by about five five million units. And how we about commercial? How about commercial real estate? Uh, I love apartment buildings. Uh, I mean, I, I manage one. I own and manage one with you know family. So we we're full. We're we're beating them off with a stick. Um, we're actually the unit I'm was my father bought it like 35 years ago and I've just started renovating unit by unit. So um, I love it. I love the space. Um, uh, houses, love them. If you, you know, you just have to know what to do with them and you have to know all the pitfalls behind them. But uh, I love the real estate market. Um, I think that we have a long, long way to go before we catch up to where we need to be in as far as producing units. That's what we need. And I think the Fed, in in their effort to press the restart button and get us back to where we have a historical normal, um, they're 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 cutting the throats of the builders, and the builders are just not going to build. How about for um, for uh, campuses for larger corporate uh, locations? Now that we have more and more people working remotely, do you see? Do you see companies really backing out of that kind of commercial real estate? Uh, I, I, uh, I'm not too familiar with uh, commercial real estate. I did. I dabbled in it when I was in college and my first year out of college. Um, what I know about commercial real estate is that if someone's renting a space from you, that's their livelihood. And they're going to do everything they possibly can to pay their rent and to grow their business. And if it's in a shopping center or in an office building or in a in a strip center, then so be it. That's what people will do. A real estate is, is a tangible asset. You know, it's when we talk about inflation, we're talking about a currency inflation. We're talking about a food inflation. We're talking about a gas inflation. Those are tangible things like real estate, bricks and mortar and things like that. I don't see I think inflation helps those things. I don't think they it hurts it hurts them at all. So what I'm what I'm hearing is if it's something you can understand and it's something tangible, then you feel okay about it. If it's if if you don't understand it and 
and it's not tangible, be very careful. And especially right. during, especially during right. recessionary times, investing um, in those kinds of spaces. Well, well now uh, look, let's look at it this way. You've got now, um, you've got a debt crisis. Now, most people don't even know that, that we have a debt crisis that exists today. And people will say, well, what debt crisis? You know, you've got, you've got, you've got um, countries that issued bonds and the bonds aren't worth 20, 30 cents on the dollar right now because the rates are so high in the environment that if you bought a bond last year, you lost 50 percent a bond. I mean, we're talking government issued bonds. Even if you bought a, a T-bill last year and it's paying you 2 percent, now you can buy them all day long at four and a half. So if you're that bond buyer, you just lost 50 percent of your investment. Yeah, from that's last a year. So. That's a real change from the past. Imagine, right? Yeah. You were always told you buy, you know, T-bills and you're going to be, 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 be gold. Secure. Right? Yeah. You're dead. <laughs> Absolutely dead. So that's why when we, when people ask me, what do I invest in? My friends all know that if, if it's the, the paper assets, uh, devalue, they naturally devalue. And that's why I like the hard tangible. And if I buy stocks, they're dividend paying stocks. And so that the dividend will hopefully offset the inflation rate. And that's really the only things I invest in. So how did you get into the line of work that you're in? How did you did you grow up in a family that was motivated and in business and finance? And um, you know, was this something you always wanted to do? Or how did you get to to where you are today? Uh, I hated real estate. I hated it. I wanted I, my father. He um, he didn't get past the eighth grade. He was actually if you if you picture one of those carpet baggers carrying carpets through the streets of Brooklyn in the in the 30s, that was my dad. And uh, so he, he didn't have an education past eighth grade. My mom didn't have an education past eighth grade. But what we as a family learned and watched was how hard they worked. And my father was 80 percent blind. So he had to take a bus to his apartment building to manage it. My mom would stay, excuse me, stay home. And so we learned the whole work ethic. Um, and that's why my children are doing very well, because they learn that no one's going to give it to you. No one's going to hand you, you know, $80,000 a year and say, thanks for showing up for work today. Right. No one's going to do that. So you have to you have to work. And, you know, I, I was watching something on actually was on LinkedIn where they were saying they just want to work the minimum and be done for the day. And that's it. Well, those are the people that will probably be in the two percentage points of employees that won't be working because that's what you're probably looking with the Fed. Right. You're probably looking the Fed wants to get unemployment up to about five percent. So do you think that in this do you think we we have a big change in this country uh, with regard to this kind of philosophy of work and work balance and and uh, do you see that having an impact on the productivity? Of, yes, uh, yes. Well, think about it. You and I have a work ethic. We we struggle through so many downturns. I mean, we we struggle through. You know, there was a 1998 currency crisis. 
There was a building, there was a strip center and shopping center and savings and loan bust in the mid 80s, mm -hmm. late 80s. So we went through a lot of these things and we can go, you know, 9-11, then we can talk about the dot-com bubble, then we can talk about another credit crisis. I mean, we've gone through all of this and the resiliency of our generation. Um, I don't know if the next generation has that type of resiliency. So what do we need to be doing? What do we need to be doing to make to ensure this? I mean, how do we, you know, what are the lessons, the top lessons? Because it, it sounds like hard work. And uh, this is, you know, uh, someone today I wanted me to do a podcast and they were saying to me, you know, what's what's your goal? And I said, I'm paying it forward. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm paying it forward. I said, because I shouldn't be here. The. The, the leverage rate and the, the 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 breakdown I had, I shouldn't be here. And and you know what? The universe made it happen. So my goal, if you're asking what I should be doing, is teaching the, the kids. It doesn't matter what level. I mean, high school, college, it, you, they, people, these kids have to understand that money doesn't just float from the ceiling just because you're a business owner. And if you if you owned a business the last 10 years, this was this has been the easiest period we've had in, in 40 years. So my advice is if you if you cannot commit to 15 hours a day of work, not that you have to do that, but if you can't commit to it, and if you don't love your business, you better love it. Because if you don't love it, you're not going to defend it. So um in fact, the business will give back to you in times of crisis that you have personally. So if you've built a good business, I remember, you know, a lot of my family members were, were passing away at, at one particular period of time. And I was so heartbroken, but I knew I had my business I can go back to and sit in my chair and negotiate deals and whatnot. If you treat your business well, the business will treat you well. And that's what people don't realize. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really great advice. I mean, it, it is about hard work, but it's about making that commitment and understanding that what you put into something is is going to also dictate what you'll get out of it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So what are some, you know, for people for anybody that's listening to this, and a lot of our listeners are young, um, aspiring entrepreneurs. What would be some of the resources like, you know, I, I hear you talk about your spreadsheets and, you know, your calculations. So you're constantly learning. Um, that's part of that's part of what we all do uh, as we evolve and, and grow. So what are some resources like what do you read and what do you look at and, and where should these these young people that want to be successful in real estate or in business in general, what what should they be doing? What kind of resources should they be looking for? People, they should, places. They should be looking at people who have been. You, you did the right thing when you said earlier that I, I look at businesses that have survived like 2008 and 2000. I did the same thing when I invested. I only invested in companies that survived. 2008 and you know i did i do research everything i do is online i i don't i read barons if you want to know the truth i read barons and i read bloomberg um and you know in, and i and i follow people who are successful and i and because listen i always can learn something and um and i just follow you know the, I, even young people who are on you know some of these these um 
websites that have have so much more expertise than I don't mind a big social media guy. You know, you follow them. Even they're young, you follow them because they know what they're doing. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you you can you can do. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, if you look at a, a hundred people and and only twenty percent of them succeed, you don't spend your time on the eighty that don't, right? You spend your time looking at the twenty. Of course, you always follow the success. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and that's and that's how. I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to. You, you have to like. I turned. A, I turned at that same meeting. I was told to journal. I was told to get a hobby as well. And I made that little hobby. Um, hold on, let me see. I didn't get you one. Remember these? These are iPods. Oh yeah. <laughs> these little ridiculous things. So I learned how to fix them, and um, I learned how to fix every Apple device that exists, as far as little trinkets like that. And that business has become almost as successful as. Really, any business I've seen, the markets, the markups are great. And so it's picking something that you enjoy doing, even if it sounds ridiculous, even if it's baking cookies or, you know, banana bread, whatever it is, if it, you love doing it, you will find ways to make money and you will enjoy it. And that's what I tell people. It's not that hard. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, the passion has to be a part of it. And like you said, if you're going to work 15 hours a day at something, it should be something you enjoy. So that's right. That's and, right. And and you can find ways to make money with almost everything, right? So you well, know. yes, you take those little trinkets with you. And in fact, I'm going to be giving them away tomorrow at the at, at the honors college, so people can see how you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Joe, this has been great. I love, I love your story. I love your book. I think it's, you know, today the the importance of real resilience and uh, you know that message. I think there's probably not a more important one um, out there. So I'm really glad that you're doing this and spending the time and giving back and um, you know setting being a role model um, for for others who are going to face problems. I mean, anybody that succeeds is going to have challenges along the way and failures yeah. and those failures are what define us. And, uh, um, yes. you know, it's whether or not we execute past the failure, which obviously you've, you've done and you've got a lot going on right now. I know you're a, you're, you're a speaker and you're doing consulting work and you've got your businesses going. So you're staying busy and uh, and we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I always wrap up by asking if there was one piece of advice and you've given us a lot of, of, of great suggestions already, but if there was one piece of advice you would leave with our listeners, what would it be? Humility. I know I've mentioned it before. I can't stress it enough. Humility brings about change in your in the people that you're dealing with, because people always love a humble person. And even if even if you're negotiating with your bank or negotiating with your landlord, they're much more willing to negotiate with a guy who who has the willingness to give and take. And that's yeah. I've, that has been the 15 years since the the, the downturn. I live by that. 
I love that advice. And I think humility also makes us better listeners. And, you know, what was it? Our moms used to say, you've got two ears and one mouth, right? So that's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You know, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) So Joe, this has been great. um, You mentioned social media and if any of our listeners would like to follow you or your business or connect with you, is there a way they can do that? Yes, I uh, and get your book, natural. of course. <laughs> oh well, that you know. Again, the the book is uh, you know I, I've had people call me and say you know I've read this three times already. I, I just I love it and I think the storyline is great and it's it has some humor to it. Um, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, my TikTok is Financial Fixer Twenty Two. I have a YouTube page, the Zero Sum Game, a bunch of videos on there. They're growing, thankfully, as we continue with the effort of podcasting and live events. Um, and you can, you know, the Zero Sum Game, that's a uh, hashtag Zero Sum Game, takes you right to where you need to be. Well, thank you, Joe Sutton and the Zero Sum Game. Appreciate your time today and uh, looking forward to seeing more of what you have to say as you connect with your audience on social media. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor. Factor.